A miracle of life is, is coming soon to a church near you. Jacob and Angela, I had the opportunity to be at their wedding. And then come this Friday, a precious little gift is coming into the world. And someday she'll be just like this gift on a hip, <laughs> carrying her in. And I got to feel the baby's head, which was pretty crazy. And that's one of the reasons why the baby's got a scheduled date to come into because she's being stubborn and right, she's not positioned the right way. And so on Friday, their baby's going to be here. So can we clap for them? Just say, praise the Lord. Awesome. The last church that I was at was a really big church. And I was told that you can't point people out like that during service. There's just too many people. You can't point everybody out. I said, I get that. But you know what? We can do that because we're small. We're a family. We're a community. And we'll continue to do so until and maybe till forever, until Jesus comes back. So we're excited that the Dupins are going to have their precious little baby. So last week, if you were here, we talked about you are the body of Christ. You. Yes, you, individually. If you are... A follower of Jesus Christ, you put your faith and trust in him. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you for you to go and take his love and his grace, his mercy, his touch to the rest of the world and to all these different directions. <laughs> hey, you on the front row. She's so beautiful. Looks like her grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you are the body of Christ. And so we have the opportunity to administer God's grace in its various forms throughout Monday through Saturday. And that's kind of the message of today. How do we live this out Monday through Saturday? Because in reality, it's, it's easier to do it right here, right where we're at, right? Right now, it's easy to say, yes, I'm, I'm in, I'm focused, I'm the body of Christ, I hear you, Brady, same spirit lives in me, whew, awesome, okay, what, what, can we do? what can we accomplish, what can we do with that, and how can we love one another in the midst of this setting, but then when we walk out the door, how do we live that out Monday through Saturday? Uh, Stephanie, a few weeks ago, when she shared her story, she had said something, and I wrote it down in my notes, about it's just... It's easy for us to walk into church with the Sunday persona, you know, with the Sunday mask. The sun, we, you know, we don't necessarily uh, anymore uh, subscribe to this put on your Sunday best and just all get dressed up and come and pretend like everything's okay. I'm glad in the flesh we just don't do that anymore as far as we can dress casually. We can just come as you are. But when we come in our... Um, if this mindset of like, well, I just don't want people to know. Man, if people, if people knew, if they knew what was really going on in my life, they knew what was really what was taking place, if they had any idea what happened Monday through last Saturday, yesterday until today, they, they probably would not love me. And the reality is, is that's true sometimes. That's true. I had a conversation with a young lady that I'm going to do their wedding in October, and I met the, the, her, her and her fiancé. And so whenever I have a conversation, especially if I don't know them, I'll always look for an opportunity to say, tell me your story. Tell me your, your faith background. What's your faith story? Like, 
I am a pastor. I'm going to talk about the Lord. I'm going to talk about Jesus at your wedding. Are you okay with that? If you're not okay with that, I'm probably not the right guy to do your wedding. You may have to find someone else. And I'm not obnoxious about it, but I am upfront about it because I don't want it to be an awkward thing later on where they're like, you know, we don't really want you to pray or be too preachy or whatever. I'll, I'll just up front. And so I asked this young lady. I'd already had a conversation with her fiancé on the phone. And he had gone through some really traumatic stuff in his childhood, and God had just rescued him from some drug addiction. And, and so he's, like, convinced that God is real, and he's there. But the girl, she said, I grew up in a faith background where there was a lot of hypocrisy. There was a lot of um, say one thing but do it and live another way. And she goes, that really began to rub me the wrong way. And then when I got to the age where I can make my own decision, I just walked away from church because I thought, I don't have to go into this environment and experience this and believe that God is real and worship him. I don't have to do that. Now, the truth is, she's right. You don't. You don't have to come here to church or any other church, for that matter, to worship God. Right? You can worship him right wherever you're at. You know, that's a beautiful thing. But the thing that breaks my heart about that statement is, is all the things that she's missing out on by not being connected and involved in a community of faith where people can love her the right way. And she said it's just such a bad advertisement. It's so terrible that these people treat each other the way they treat each other. She's talking about the church, y'all. She's talking about us. She's talking about just within the community of believers. She's not even talking about the way people in the world treat her. She's talking about the church. People who say, yes, I am a follower of Jesus. I'm a believer. Now, the reality is, is we're all flesh and we're all imperfect and we are going to fail. That's the reason why we need to forgive one another. That's the reason why forgiveness is such a big, a big piece. That's going to happen. That's no excuse, though, for, for treating each other terrible. That's not a justification for that. We can't use that. Well, I'm just human. That's just what we do. Boys will be boys. We can't use that as an excuse because we are given this, this command, this, this encouragement to love one another. And so I'm going to share that with you today. Last week when we hit 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we talked about uh, gift, be gifted. We're a body. We've got all these things going on so that we can be the body of Christ to the world. And then at the end of chapter 12, it says, and I will show you still a more excellent way. I mean, you can be the most gifted church. We could have the best musicians, and we do. We could have the greatest singers, and they're good. We could have the most awesome pastor, and he's okay. But all that matters not, right, if we don't love one another, if we're really not sincere in our love. Like when you looked at the other person and said, I love you, if you didn't mean it, take it back, all right? No, don't take it back. Leave it with them. But you need to mean that, okay? Yeah, I love you. I love you, all right? So let's talk about that. First Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to read it to you. Now, some of you might have uh, different translations. I'll read, I'm reading from the ESV, English Standard Version. If, 
If you, I'll give you some homework. Look up 1 Corinthians 13 online in the message translation. Because it reads so power, it reads so differently, but it's just so it's just so everyday words, something we can grab a hold of. And I'll use some of those words as I walk through this. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And if I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And then it says this, love is patient and kind. Okay, it never gives up. It cares more for others than for self. And so we are to love others sincerely. Okay, that first starts with, just think about it like this. It's a ripple effect. It starts in your home, siblings, uh, husbands, wives family members. We are to love each other sincerely. And then it spreads out into the community of faith, to the body of Christ. We come in to the church. I would want you to walk into the door and feel like, you know what, there is somebody there that loves me sincerely. Like, they really mean it. Like, not only have they said it with their mouth, they've actually demonstrated it with their actions. Because I think probably what happened to this girl that I was talking to is she had heard people say that they love her with their mouth, but then their actions proved otherwise, and it just confused her. And I shared this uh, quote with her that, I'll, that you've heard before, that the greatest cause of atheism in the world today are Christians who acknowledge Christ with their mouth, but then deny him with their lifestyle. And there's an unbelieving world that finds that really unbelievable. DC Talk, <laughs> you know, it was on their album years ago, back in the day. But that is so true, right? Man, Brady, he's at church on Sunday, and he says he loves me, and they saw me at the Y on Monday, and he just totally ignored me and just blew me off. Then I heard him talking about me behind my back when he was in the hot tub. Not that I've ever had a conversation anywhere in a hot tub. From now on, it's just I've had a conversation at the YMCA, all right? doesn't matter where I'm at. Just say I'm at the YMCA, all right? <laughs> But once again, the other day, I'm having a conversation with this man, and he's talking about this love of others as you love yourself. And I was like, bro, let me use this cross to tell you about this love, the love of the Lord. It was awesome. We are to love each other sincerely. His love for us endures forever. That's in the Bible. Our love for one another should endure at least till Wednesday. No. <laughs> Our love for one another should endure forever. And endure, I think, is a good word because sometimes it's hard to keep loving one another. Some of you make it really hard to love you. Sometimes I make it really hard for you to love me. I get that. But we are to love each other and we're to endure forever and our love should be just like the Lord's. And not just loving those who love us back, all right? A lot of these thoughts that I'm giving you today come from Scripture, come from Matthew... 
5, 6, 7, around in there where Jesus is teaching his followers. And this is where we get this verse. And we'll get to that in just a minute. It's easy to love people who love us back, right? That's, that's the easy part. How about people who don't like you? Now that's the challenge right there. It says love your enemies. Love those and bless those who persecute you. That's what the church is called to do. Now, all of these things I'll share with you today, Jesus did these things. He modeled these things. It's not like he's asking us to do something that he hasn't done before or it's too difficult for us to do. And the reason why it's not impossible for us to do is because, remember, the Holy Spirit lives in us to empower us to do it. Apart from that, you can't do it. You can't have, like I said on the cross, the horizontal love, the love for others without the vertical love, the love for God. You just can't. This love for others will just fall to the ground without being established with something that can hold it up. So we even love our enemies and, love and bless those who persecute us. Love does not envy or boast. We'll continue on. It doesn't want what it doesn't have. In Matthew 6, Jesus tells us not to be anxious about our life. We can't add time to our life with worry. But we are to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then it says he will take care of all the other details. And then he goes on to say, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. On Monday, don't get so overwhelmed by Tuesday, you don't accomplish what he's wanting you to accomplish on Monday. Now, it doesn't mean don't plan ahead, don't save, you know, those kind of things. Be smart when it comes to that. But don't be anxious about tomorrow. Don't be worried about it. Like when we pray the prayer, God, give us this day what we need for this day, our daily bread. That's why we are to pray it daily. I need this for today. I need forgiven today. I need to forgive others today. I need to be not tempted and, and uh, led into temptation today, right now. So don't worry about tomorrow. Focus on what God is calling you to do today. Love is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It doesn't strut doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. And love is not irritable or resentful. You know what? Love doesn't fly off the handle. That's in the message. You know, God has a, we talk about things we wear to church. God has a Monday through Saturday wardrobe for you. Think about it like this. You wake up in the morning, tomorrow morning, you open up your closet, and God has hanging in your closet. These are the things I want you to wear this week. I want you to wear these things this week. Start today, I want you to wear this. And here are the things he wants us to wear. This comes from Colossians chapter 3. He wants you to wear a compassionate heart. He wants you to put on kindness. Humility, meekness, and we spoke about that word before, but meekness is power under control. That just redeems that word for all the men in the room. Yes, power, but under control. You can be the most powerful person, but if you're out of control, you're going to hurt someone. 
But if you're under control, you can accomplish great things. And then he says, also, I want you to wear or put on patience. Man, how many of us today could say, I need some more patience? And I'm not talking if you're a doctor. I'm just talking if you're a human. You need some more patience, don't you? I just need to be a little bit more long-suffering with others as God is long-suffering with me. He goes on to say, we are to bear with one another, okay? Bear with one another. It's, it would be like me saying, uh, man, I need you to lift, I need you to hold me up today. Just having a, having a tough day. It's a tough Monday. I need you to bear with me today. Would you sustain me, hold me up today? Doesn't mean carry all my junk, but just would you lift me up today? Would you sustain me? And then he said, we are called to forgive like the Lord has forgiven us. This will be a common theme in our church because God takes forgiveness pretty seriously to the point of sacrificing his own son in order that we might experience it. And basically he's saying, if I love you like that, and I've demonstrated my love for you, I've proven it with my actions, not just my words, is it okay, is it reasonable for him to ask us to forgive one another? Easier said than done, I know. But it's very reasonable that we'd a- he'd ask us that. Here's my, my thought. Love is backseat middle, not shotgun. Think about it. No, you go ahead. You sit up there, I'll sit right back here. It's not as comfortable. It's not as, it's not as cool. <laughs> but it's Christ. My guess is, is Jesus, you would have never heard him say, when they were loading up on the donkey, shotgun! <laughs> what does that mean, anyway, on a donkey? I don't know. But Jesus would be like, no, go ahead. You take the donkey, I'll just walk. I'll walk alongside. I'll lead the donkey. You ride. Would life, would your marriage, would any relationship that you're in look different if you were backseat middle? Now, that's really easy for Brady to talk about that right here. But come tomorrow, when my wife needs me to serve her and put my needs aside and put her needs before my own, that's when the rubber hits the road. (laughs) That's when I've got to practice what I'm preaching. You can ask her on Tuesday how it went (laughs) or how it'll go. In Matthew 5, Jesus tells us we are liable to judgment when we are angry with our brother and we should be reconciled to our brother even before we give an offering. Those are some serious words. (laughs) Reconciled to our brother in Christ, our sister in Christ, our community, someone in our family. Be reconciled to that person. And yes, I realize that it does require us sometimes to pull back and say, you know what? 
I'll let you go first. It doesn't mean that you're a mat for people to walk on, but it just means you don't have to have your way. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. But another way to look at this is it doesn't keep score of sins of others. True love. In Matthew 7, Jesus talks about how we can so easily see <coughs> we can so easily see the speck in someone else's eye and not notice the log in our own. That's, that's just true, isn't it? I mean, from, my, from being clear back here, I can look at you and see your imperfections. But you know what happens as soon as I start doing that? I end up having to look at the mirror in the mirror at some point in time and realize I am guilty of that too. <laughs> so he tells them in Matthew 7, he says, you are first to remove your own log, okay? Now that is, that is the sense of agreeing with God, confession, because that's what confession is, is just agreeing with God. I mean, you already know the truth anyway. You know where it is that you failed. You know there's a log there. You're trying to, like, put some makeup on it or cover it up with sunglasses, whatever it is to make it look better. But we need to acknowledge our own sinfulness, our own unrighteousness. But then it says the reason why you should do that is so then you can see clearly then to help your brother deal with the speck in their own eye. And I think um, this is where it gets difficult in church life because, well, who are you to judge me? You don't have any right because you're sinful. You're, you, you have mistakes and you make mistakes and you're, you're not perfect. You're right. I'm not. And I've dealt with that in my own life. But as a brother in Christ, as a friend, as a person, as a part of the same body, same community, I have an obligation to you when I notice that you're maybe not as not able to see as clearly as you ought to because you've got some issues going on in your life. I am responsible for you. Therefore, in love, I need to come to you and I need to say, hey, look, I think this is an area, it's kind of a blind spot maybe in your life because we all have them, right? And I think this is an area you should maybe should consider and it's an area you need to work on. If that happens to you and someone comes to you and corrects you, Two things are going to happen. You're either going to say, you know what, you're right. I've really been struggling in that area. Can you help me? Can we pray together? Can we work through this? Or you're going to say, how dare you? And I'm, I'm not coming back to that church. Being offended is one of the number one reasons, I think, in the top five probably, where people will not come back to church. You've offended me. You've hurt my feelings. And the enemy loves that. Once he sees that, he'll jump all over that and say, you know what, you're right. You shouldn't go back to that church. They're, look, you think, they think they're perfect. They just corrected you. You go somewhere else where they're just going to make it, everything feel good and comfortable. If you get feeling uncomfortable, just get up and leave. Go somewhere else. But we owe it to one another because we really, truly love each other sincerely. When someone comes to you, Maybe to say that there's, a, there's a speck, there's something that's kind of in your eye, I need to get that out. The best thing to say is, I know you love me because you've already proven it, and I will listen to you. I'll, I'll hear you out. Okay? I just know that any time that I feel like God has called me to, to correct someone, 
the first person he deals with is me, and I really have to make sure that I'm clean before the Lord. And so it's a real, a real good time for confession for myself, and it'll be the same way for you too. Love rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Here's the language in the message. Love puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. And then at the end of the chapter, chapter 13, it says one day Jesus is going to come back and make everything perfect. Yes, amen. We are going to be able to see more clearly then. Like right now we see like in a like dimly like we really can't we really don't have a, a full understanding of God and his love for us. I mean, because if we did, if we fully got a grip of how it is God loves us, I guarantee you that would change the way you love others immediately. If you fully, your, I just think it's necessary for us to get a, a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Our position. We need to understand our position. Like how it is that God loves us. I mean, someday we're going to see it clearly, it says. But until then, all right, until then, we need to um, keep doing these three things, all right? Until that happens, one of these days it will. But until then, we need to keep, these are three things. I want you to think about these three things as we'll finish up our time. Trust steadily in God, okay? Trust God. Believe him at his word. Trust him. Trust him that there is more to this life than just this life. There's more coming. There's something better coming. When we begin to trust him, then we can hope unswervingly. Like we can stay on this course of hope. Like even though it's hard right now, I know that there is something greater. There's a, there's a bigger picture here. I'm going to hope unswervingly. And then... The last thing is love extravagantly. And you know what the best of those three is? What does the Bible say? The best of those three. It's in 1 Corinthians 13. What does it say? What's the best of those three? Love. Love is the best of those things. I think the reason why is because God is love. And he's demonstrated his love. He is, he's loved us. And you know when we love each other like that, in practical ways, Monday through Saturday, people notice. People notice. They sure notice when we don't, <laughs> and they're quick to point that out. But when you love each other with great extravagance, even at a personal cost to you, people are changed. People are changed. There's a devotional called The Godward Life by John Piper. And I love this, this idea of the Godward life. Like we're all walking towards this, this, this desire, this, this hopeful, this, um, this idea of being more and more like Jesus. Okay, so it's this Godward life. And in this devotional... This is what uh, Piper wrote. He said, The Roman emperor Julian 
writing in the 4th century, regretted the progress of Christianity. He regretted it because it pulled people away from the Roman gods. He said atheism, i.e., the Christian faith. Isn't that interesting? He describes atheism in that day as the belief in something other than their Roman gods. He said, has been, has been specially advanced, here's the, how, here's the reason why it's been advanced, through the loving service rendered to strangers and through their care for the burial of the dead. These Christians, man, it's ridiculous the way they love each other. They take care of people that are not even a part of their own family. They care for the people who have passed away with such, uh, a, um, such extravagance that it's drawing people away from their Roman gods. And, he's, and here's what he said. It's a scandal that there is not a single Jew who is a beggar and that the godless Galileans care not only for their own poor, but for ours as well. They're, they're going around caring for people who don't even believe the same thing they believe. And while those who belong to us look in vain for help that we should render to them. And we cannot provide them what it is they're getting from the followers of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that an amazing thought? The world cannot provide what it is that Jesus can give them. There, there's nothing in the world that compares with that. Nothing. Okay? And you know what? And we can be excited about that right now. We can say, yes, amen. All right, what's next? Let's go. It's time for lunch. But it means nothing unless we apply it, unless we internalize it and then externalize it to the rest of the world, to the community around us, to people who aren't like us, who don't believe the same way that we believe. It's nothing. That's what it says. It's just noise. And it reminds me of the story in Luke chapter 10 where it's the story of the Good Samaritan and there's a priest, a Levite, and a godless person <laughs> who they would see in their eyes. And the priest sees a man hurting who had gotten beat up and he sees the guy, and he, he takes great effort to walk on the other side of the street to avoid him. I don't know why. I don't have time. He's not a part of our church. He doesn't go to school at Platte County. He's messy. If I get involved in that, it's going to take me away from folding bulletins for the church. Sounds silly, doesn't it? But it happens. I got these other more important things to learn or to accomplish. And he walks right by the guy. And then the worship leader, a worship leader, a Levite, same thing, takes great care to walk on the other side of the street. It's not my responsibility. I'm not on duty today. It's my day off. People ask me all the time, Brady, when's your day off? I'm a pastor. I don't have a day off. Now, it doesn't mean I don't take time away. I, I do. I, I get away, solitude. 
Um, I get inside of a goofy-looking costume, and I'm quiet for about an hour, all right? And uh, if you don't know what that's about, you can ask me later. But that's my, it's my time away. It's my hobby. But as a follower of Jesus, you don't get a day off. You can't, there's not a time we say, you know what, I don't have to love like this anymore. Not today. I'm done. I've exceeded my love limit. Don't ask me to love anymore. Love endures forever. Isn't it good news that God doesn't take some time off from loving us? Haven't we given him lots of reasons to say, you know what, not today. I, am, I have had it up to here. Where can God go with that? I mean, he's eternal. He's a, it's a, he, there's no way to, to quantify that. I've had it up to here with you. I'm done. But then comes along this man who I love in the, in the, the passage. It says that he looked upon the man and had compassion for him. I think that's the key right there. These other guys, for some reason, they didn't love him rightly, sincerely. But it says this man had compassion for him, and it said he got down and he took care of his wounds. He got his hands dirty. He inconvenienced himself. He, he got off of the path of what he was doing at that particular moment, whether it be a Monday or a Friday or whatever it was. He took time to love this person. And he loved him till he was whole again. Took him to a place and said, whatever expenses you incur, I will, I will reimburse you. I just won't dump you, him off on somebody else and make it their problem. And my encouragement to you, in a practical sense, if you can do something about it right then, then do it. Right then. Now, if you can't, Maybe, maybe financially you can't afford it at the moment or whatever. But you say, you know what, I can't do something, but I know somebody who can. Hold on a second. Stay right there. Get on the phone. <laughs> Send out the text message alert or whatever it is. Put up the bat signal and say, we need, this, this guy needs some help. Can you come? Can you help me? Because at that particular time, you might be a left hand, but what that guy needs is a right foot in the body. You know, like somebody else can come along and help. But if you can do something about it right then, don't wait. Like, hey. Hey, man, I'll be praying for you. That's probably what the priest said. I'm going to pray for that guy. He's a mess. Jeez. You know, how about like praying for him while you're helping him <laughs> at the same time? You know, that would be a good way to look at it. So what are some practical ways as we finish up our time together? What are some practical ways we can love like this here in our community? What are some practical ways we can do that? Are you thinking? Is your mind, is your wheels turning? Sometimes it takes some strategic planning. Sometimes it just takes having your eyes open and your heart ready to, to have that compassion and dem demonstrate that love. And it doesn't matter what day it is, whether it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, or Saturday. <laughs> so we've been passing out. I'm going to have the worship team, you guys want to come on up. We've been passing out um, these magnets. By now, hopefully everyone's gotten one. But my question is, is have you, have you done what it says on the magnet? 
Say, if you haven't got one of those blessed magnets that are on the table as you're leaving today, go grab one. And so I'm going to issue a challenge to you. In this blessed magnet, the E says, eat with someone, eat a meal with someone who's far away from God. Okay? Yes, exactly. It doesn't mean go out and um, just find the, the, like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a way to explain this. Here's the deal. Just, Lord, who is it? Who is it in my sphere of influence that, that needs to know this kind of love that Brady's talking about today? And if I can do something about it today, like if I have uh, context where I can go to that person and invite them, not to invite them over and beat them up with the Bible, but to invite them over and just eat with them and just love them. Just love them so extravagantly that they just can't take it anymore, and they're like, why are you doing this? You see, I was first loved. And God loved me, and so I want to turn that love around and give it away to someone else. Can you imagine that guy that got rescued by the Samaritan? How did his life change that day? Hopefully, hopefully he didn't get healed and think, man, that was close. That was awesome. I'll go right back to the same life I was living. Hopefully what happened was is he got, he got healed and rescued, and he thought, you know what? Life's too short. It's time to get serious about living this life to make a difference in someone else's life because that's the real deal. We're all that person at one point or time in our life, right? We're all the person who needs to be rescued. And thank goodness somebody came along to share the good news with us so that we can then share it with someone else. So that eat in the bless is eat with someone who's far away from God. Someone who maybe, you know, like they just need some love. They just need some love. Now, if you say, well, Brady, I would love to do that, but financially we're just not able to do that right now. It's just the money's pretty tight. You bring me the receipt and the church will pay for it. Don't freak out, Dan, because we're not talking about the Capitol Grill, all right? Don't take him down to the plaza for a $200 lunch, all right? Bill's 25 30 bucks, whatever, as an outreach to the community. We'll pay you to do that. So you know what? I have just wiped out your excuse for not doing it, the main excuse. <laughs> now, as far as time goes, you just have to make that, figure it out. Take the time to stop and to reach out. Now, I... I don't expect that I'll probably get any receipts because you'll be like, that's silly, Brady. We'll just do it ourselves. But I want to remove that, that, that obstacle for you. And you know what you say? You know what would be even better? It's like, Brady, man, I love to invite this person to our house. I'd love for you to come and eat with them too. I'm down for that. I like to eat. That's awesome. That's just one way, ladies and gentlemen, one way to reach out to someone. And there's many more, but that's just one way. So as we get ready to worship this morning, do you know God that God loves you? I mean, He loves you sincerely. His love for you endures forever. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's nothing you can do in Romans 8 that says that you can separate yourself from God's love. Nothing. And so first, deal with that. Deal with this thought, God loves me. He's demonstrated his love for me. And then 
How can I love others? How can I forgive others? How can I reconcile? How can I deal with my anger? How can I deal with this idea of just worrying all the time about tomorrow and not trusting you unswervingly? So those are some things you can pray about. So the altar is open for you to come and to receive prayer, for you to pray. Maybe you need to grab someone, bring them with you. Thank you. Maybe you need to go to someone this morning and say, I've had a huge log in my eye and I've asked God to take it out. You know, would you pray with me? Maybe you need to take the own, your own log out so you can see clearly today. Whatever it is God's doing in your heart, come and respond.